This is Get a Real Job, the podcast devoted to people who choose risk over safe bets, who pursue their passion against all odds and are doing what they want, how they want, despite people and sometimes the voices in their own heads telling them they're nuts. When the field that I wanted to work in didn't exist, I created it. The only thing you have to decide is how hard you want to work. I really never went into the design of the restaurant of not succeeding. One way or another, I was going to succeed. I'm your host, Dan Bova, editorial director of entrepreneur.com. Thanks for listening. And now, get a real job. So you know when you're scrolling through Netflix and you see something new and you think, hmm, I wonder if this is any good. Well, when you come across Paul Verzi Nocturnal Admissions, I have an answer for you. Yes, very much so, yes. I just watched comedian Paul Verzi's second hour-long special, and it is quite hilarious, for real. So I am psyched to talk to the Paul Verzi mentioned in the title. Please welcome comedian Paul Verzi. <laughs> well, thank you so much for that intro, and, and thank you for the kind uh, for the kind words about the special. Uh, I'm excited about it. It's always weird when... You know, it's it's so funny when you watch something that you did because I'm not going to watch it like now, right? Like right. you know, like we we edited it, it's ready to go. Like I've looked at it a million times. I did it. I performed it, and when we watched it, we were so happy with it and we loved it. And then now that it's coming out, you're just like, I hope everybody loves it. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, right. This, you know, even though I, I've watched it, but I really appreciate that. And uh, thank you so much for having me, man. Yeah, of course. Of course. Well, it, it is. It's it's very funny. It's very timely. So uh, uh, I, I have a million questions about that aspect of it. But because because sure. it is I mean, we're living in the these times we're living in. Everything changes within like five minutes. Yes. So like for a comedian, that's got to be that's got to be like, can everything just sit still for a minute so I could tell this joke more than once? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the one thing that, that I've learned doing this is when you, when you do things that are just true to you, they're timeless. Mm. So like, you know, that if you watch the, the closing joke in the hour is that one-on-one thing with my son Yes, and like that happened. And the way that that happened, I was like, all right, you know what? That's going to work. That'll there's, yeah. even though the world is changing, that's always going to be right. that. So, um, so I try to do most of my stuff like that. You know, when I talk about my dad, that's who my dad is, you know, all of those things, but yeah, you're right. Something happens. Like I wish that I had this special taping um, after the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing. You know? <laughs> so, because now, now by the time the next one is, I don't know if it'll be relevant, but boy, were there some gems in that yeah. that I had some <laughs> things to say. So you are right about that for sure. Oh, that's great. Well, so so your your special starts uh, with uh, with with some pandemic stuff, some vaccine stuff. But what I and what I loved about it is that. You know, you're not it doesn't matter where you sit on the spectrum of whether you believe in this or that. It's just funny because you're just like making fun of your idiot friends. And that's like that's comedy right there. It's not about to me, at least it's not about like educating people. It's, It's about like telling jokes that are funny. No, I appreciate you saying that. And like, that's what I want to do. You know, when my first special, you know, when I talked about um, when I talked about Donald Trump, Half the people were going, I had liberals and conservatives both saying to me, 
hey, man, when you went into that, I didn't know where you were going, but you told the line and it was funny. And like, that's what I want to do. If I bring something up, whether it's Trump or Biden or whether it's COVID or pandemic, I'm just trying to make everybody laugh and make fun of the all of the, the lunacy of everything and everybody collectively laugh. Yeah. And it's like you said, I'm not trying to school somebody on something. I'm not trying to tell somebody what they're thinking is wrong. So I always want my comedy to make you just go, oh, he's making fun of everything and everybody. So I appreciate you recognizing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's, you know, you and uh, your your podca- uh, podcast co-host, Bill Burr, something that I don't think enough people appreciate, like f- comedians who uh, have this standpoint about pointing out stupid things that people are doing and saying, that is not an easy thing to do and have it be funny and not just come across as just like this jerk that hates the world. Like you, you guys are so good at like being funny, but not being like overly angry about it. It's, it's such a fine line. Oh, thank Yeah. Like we want people to have a good time, but also, yeah, we get into a rant here or there, but it's almost like making fun of ourselves. And we want it to be like that very kind of, listen, don't get me wrong. We can definitely go I mean, I went on a I went on a tangent about bicycle riders, the cyclists, because <laughs> because where I live in upstate New York in northern Westchester, there is no bike lane. And these people are yeah. so arrogant. So I was on the verge of that, <laughs> and I went nuts and people were like, wow. And then I was like, sorry, guys, that was I, I just had to do it. But but in a way where people are like, hey, you got mad, but we were laughing. I never want to be like talking down at people that right. are, choose choose to listen to me. <laughs> um, I've, I've got to find that rant because I'm in lower Westchester and they're down oh. here too. And they just take up like, yeah, let's just take up three lanes of the highway and just like, let everyone go around. us. Oh my God. Yeah. Let everybody go around even on a blind turn. Yeah. And I got my kids in the car and I'm yelling the other day. I actually put my phone up on Instagram story and I'm going, look at this. You believe this? Completely, I'm being more dangerous because I'm that angry, but, uh, but um, yeah, no. So if you're from Westchester, you know, like the arrogance of yeah. like, listen, I like the cyclists that actually kind of slowly move to the right and they do their best to understand. But, you know, as well as I do, especially living in the county we live in, they will purposely stay in the middle next to a double yellow line and and almost look at you like they're pissed. Right. Like like, like I'm doing something wrong. I'm I'm in a fifteen hundred dollar. I mean, a a fifteen hundred pound Lexus. And you're in a you weigh enough. I mean, (laughs) no. Uh, I know, man. I know we could do four hours on that, but we should move on. We should move on. But well, let me ask you this, just, uh, your, your career, like, was there ever, um, well, did you do other things besides before settling into being a comedian or was this like, was this it? This is what you had to do. And this is what I'm going to do no matter what. Um, it's a great question. I was, oh, it was always something that was in me to do. I always loved it. I was enamored by standout and, and I was enamored by Eddie Murphy, Rodney Dangerfield and in, in those, those movies when I was a kid. Yeah. So it was something that I wanted to do. I was in college and I just, I just wanted to be doing it. So I dropped out of college and I got a sales job. Um, and I was knocking doors in Manhattan and Queens selling phone cable internet at 21 years old. And I was making like $50,000 a year at 21, which is not bad. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and I was just trying to get open mics and trying to do sets. And then I just, you know, everything was just like, Hey man, 
not only do I think I can do this, I think I can maybe, you know, be good and then potentially great at this. And, and that's what I just dedicated my life to. And, and, and slowly I was fortunate enough to migrate away from the day job and, and be doing what I'm doing now. Thank God. Wow. So what did you learn knocking on people's doors that has uh, helped you on stage? That's actually another great question. And the truth is a lot because yeah. every it's almost like it was in a nutshell, those knocking doors was like audience members, yeah. you know, <laughs> it was like, it was like, you'll get the people that are like, sure, come on in. You want a cup of tea? And then you'll get people get the hell out of here. Don't ask me again. <laughs> I'm going to come out and hit you. And there it was a lot. And, and it was like, it was like life. It was like the world. Yeah. It right. was like knocking doors in New York city <laughs> at dinner time in Queens, New York saying, Hey, can we talk about your bills? That is, you know, that is one of the, I mean, these people, like you smell the food cooking, yeah. their families there. And, and you see Paul Verzi at 21 years old in a hard hat, which I don't know why I wore a hard hat. They gave us hard hats. To oh, really? Field with. Yeah. So we could point up and say, oh, we did, <laughs> we did fiber optics. I, I mean, I've never put a hard hat on in my life. So, um, but no, it, you know, learning people's personalities yeah. and, and, and I learned a lot about myself and what I learned is a lot of doors being closed and literally yeah. a lot of doors right, being right. closed and a lot of no, no, no. So going into comedy, there's a lot of no, no, no. But then one door opens and you end up selling a gold package. Well, one door opens and you get the Montreal Comedy Festival wow. or one door opens. So that that's so you're actually the first person to make me say that on a podcast and think about it. And I just realized that as I'm saying it now is that all the doors that got closed in my face probably thickened the skin a little bit yeah. to go into a business where there's a lot of no's. Wow. Yeah, that's that's uh does the, the nose on stage, that's that's tough. Uh, whether if anyone's ever like most people are terrified of public speaking. And if you've ever had an experience where the public speaking doesn't go well, you there's not a worse feeling on earth. Um, yeah. <laughs> so how do you how do you when you're starting out, obviously, the first time you stepped on stage, you had a perfect act and everyone was howling with laughter and it went yeah. perfectly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in case that's not true, like how did you yeah. kind of push through that? Um, it was actually like, uh, it was actually like almost a defiance that I had because there was a, a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine was doing construction in Woodstock, New York. And he called me up and he said, Hey, there's a bar in Woodstock, New York, which is really famous. And like, to the point where like the Rolling Stones would like practice there before the Woodstock and it was called joyous Lake. Okay. And, uh, he goes Tuesday nights, they do an open mic. Should I sign you up? And I was like, all right, it's about a 45 minute drive from where, okay. I said, sign me up. So I went there, nothing prepared, thinking, thinking, this is how dumb, <laughs> thinking that I'm going to show up, grab a microphone and ideas that I have in my head that might be amusing yeah. are going to be the start of a, of a, of a brilliant comedy career. <laughs> so I get there and I'm just doing awful. Like I'm just, uh, you know, like. This, I'll never forget. What were they, though the cigarette pack says may cause cancer. It does cause cancer. Like, there was no joke. It was the <laughs> dumbest thing, right? And uh, I was like, you know, you never see Asian rappers. And then, like, luckily, I had nothing to say. So, luckily, an audience member tried to act like that. And that got me out of my not having anything. But, but I remember leaving and I remember getting off and I was, it wasn't great. And I went up to the booker and I said, book me next Tuesday. 
Mm. I said, put me on the list next Tuesday. So I went home and, uh, and when I had three friends with me and we just drove home and I said, I'm going back next week. And I wrote out like six minutes and I practiced it in my bedroom. And then I had a couple of friend cars of friends come up and we went up and I ended up doing like 20 minutes and killing the place. Wow. And a local guy walked up and he goes, a lot better than last week. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yes, it is. But, uh, and then I just started calling New York city places that had new talent night, just what I could do. So again, something else that the cold calling and the door knocking, Hey, you guys have, I'd love to get up. And they were like, yeah, well, here's what you have to do. You got to bring three paying audience members and we'll give you five minutes. And then that's, that's what I did in, you know, around 99, 2000. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So 99, 2000. So, uh, so that's the beginning there. Tell people who like, what does it take to get to that first hour long special? Like how many years did it take to get to that? And what the work involved is just insane. Well, with me, it was a little different because my path was a lot different than other people's where you have comedians that either move from another city or move to Manhattan, get a studio apartment and everything is comedy where me, I wanted a family. So I had a baby, me and my wife had a baby boy. You know, I was still, you know, I got married at 30, Mm. 29 or something. So I was doing comedy, but I also always wanted another thing. I was naive, not naive, but I was like, I'm going to have a family, do everything and be successful. Like it was like, it was hard. Yeah. Right. So, you know, so, but what I did was um, I just kept working at it. My wife was very supportive. You know, we lived in small little apartments in, in Westchester. I lived with my brother, in, uh, you know, in, in Manhattan for a year. And I just basically did everything I could. And I do contests and I would do the urban circuit because the urban circuit, they would put me on and they and, and everything that I could do, making no money, no manager, whatever. And then, um, you know, somebody sees you and they go, hey, you're pretty funny. Why don't you come to my show over here? And I was able to send stuff out, got got my first manager when I was about six years in and things just kept going and going. Um, then comedians, big comedians, like uh, I remember I opened for Bill Burr and I opened for, um, I opened for uh, Robert Kelly and I opened for Jim Brewer one time in Vegas and David tell. Wow. And I just started as a, as a guy that was opening for these guys, I would do good. The, the 20 minutes that I would open, I would do good. And I knew it. Yeah. And, and, and they, and the nice thing was they knew it. So when you have like a David tell go, Hey, you killed or a bill Burgo, man, you're funny. That started, that made yeah. me go, that gave me the, that's the opposite of the door being slammed in my face. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's, and, that's and then, you know, and then you get another manager who might be, you know, a, a higher up manager on another level and get into clubs in New York city. So, but I would say I didn't do my first hour until like, let me, let me say this. The first two years, I don't really count in New York because you're barely getting on stage. Yeah, right. You know, so when people ask me, oh, you've been doing it 20 years, kind of, but it's more to me like seems like eight, 17, 18, just because of like the steadiness. Because right. you're probably not going hard until like, oh, three, oh, you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, man. So so those things um, really helped. And then 14 years in from when I first touched a mic in Woodstock, I did my first album, Night at the Stand which is right above that poster right there. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and, and that did really well. And then I'll say this came out on Comedy Central. We shot it in 17. It came out in 18. So, yes, yeah, so you're talking 
15, 16 years for me to feel comfortable putting something out that's going to be out forever. That's the other thing. It's like a lot of young comics, and I don't know who's going to listen to this if they're young comics listening to this, but don't make the mistake of putting out an album six years in just because some of your friends go out to a bar and think it's funny. Like it's going to be out there forever. Yeah. You know, right. It's going to be out there yeah. forever. So yeah. that's what I did. And, and I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I waited, but nobody to answer your question, nobody cared about me in this business. I would say till about 14, 15 years and then things, and, and, and they call it uh killing in obscurity. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and that's what it was. You know, I would come home, dude, you'll, you'll laugh at this. I would come home after killing for the weekend. I would be doing 25 minutes opening for somebody and I'd come home and be like, I'm killing, like, I, what's going on? And and it, and then people go, oh, dude, you'll see. Wait, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. You know, wow. I, to, oh, I just killed. Where, why, where's the movie deal? <laughs> I just killed. <clears throat> I just killed in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Where's the- More coming up from our guests. But first, a word from our sponsor. Whether you need digital tools so you can bank on the go, or you need a one-on-one with an experienced business banker, with PNC Bank, you got it. PNC's business banking team is built entirely around the way you like to do business. Innovative mobile tools that let you manage your cash flow, monitor your payments, and more around the clock give you the flexibility that every business owner needs. And PNC combines those digital tools with a team of business bankers who are ready to sit down and talk about the unique needs of your business and help you develop personalized strategies to move your business forward. Learn how PNC Bank can make a difference for you and your business at pnc.com slash bank your way. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. And our next sponsor. This episode of Get a Real Job is presented by State Farm. Being a small business owner can be so fulfilling, rewarding, and let's be honest, a little scary from time to time. Doing your own thing and being your own boss is great, but sometimes it can make you feel like you're all alone, especially when things aren't going so great. Well, the folks at State Farm want you to know you aren't alone. State Farm has thousands of agents who are small business owners too, so they know what it takes to protect everything you work so hard for. State Farm has an assortment of insurance policies for small businesses that can be tailored to your needs. So whether you're a hairstylist, an electrician, or a florist, State Farm agents are ready to help. Learn more and find an agent today at statefarm.com slash smallbusiness. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And we're back. So, so someone like, you know, these, these names that you mentioned, uh, David Tell, who I've talked to a number of times, uh, is awesome, awesome person. Um, you know, what, uh, besides, you know, encouraging you, did you get, uh, any good advice from the Attells or the Brewers or the Burrs that, that really like rang true and have helped you? Well, yeah, uh, Attell was more of like a one week. I mean, I see Dave in the city, but Dave was more of a one weekend in Raleigh. And it was just like him just saying you killed um, meant a lot. Bill and Brewer and guys like that. They were they were the type where we just I could tell the honesty. It was like, yeah. like, like, just be honest. You know, like you would tell a story and they would be like, the, the, like the, the truth is funny. So even if as a comic, we like to exaggerate or say this. But if, if it's actually you say what the true thing is, like I would like I'll give you an example. I remember I would tell a story to a comic that was like uh, two generations ahead of me 
And then I would make this elaborate thing. Oh, and what if I said this? That would be real funny. And then they would go, yeah, but what really happened? Because what really happened is just as funny and real. So learning things like that when you're younger, because, you know, when I first started, I had this fake anger. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I had the, what's the deal with this or this? And, and, and my roommate was like, Paul, you're like a nice guy. That's not you. Yeah. But right. it, was a, it was a defense thing. Yeah. It was a defense thing. Yeah, so yeah. it took, it takes about 10 years to find your voice. So I would say the, the, the advice from the best people and advice that I would give to young comics is being as true to yourself because the more you are, then your true voice will come quicker. That, uh, uh, that's, that's incredible advice. I think for anyone doing anything, which yes. is, uh, you know, I, I think it makes sense to try to emulate someone that you admire and whatever you're doing, but eventually you have to be yourself, uh, or else it's just, there's nothing, it, there's, there's nothing behind it. Uh, like you said, you're this angry guy, but you're not really. So like, I, that's going to come <laughs> through. Um, yeah. Yep. <clears throat> that's exactly right. And then, uh, are there. Now, I want you to name names, the famous people who doubted you, who now you're like, I, you maybe could open for me. All right. Well, I absolutely hate Jimmy. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I, don't. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, he's really going to do it. I just start, how funny would it be if I just self-sabotage everything? I just killed it. I just and before the special comes out, everybody I hate. No, um, you know, I got to be honest. The beautiful thing about comedians is we may be damaged and we may be like everybody's got mental illness and everybody's got some sort of issues. Yeah. Um, and, and on some very small levels and some higher ones. But comedy is really good. I would say there's been a couple of people that have been over the years, you're like, ah, you know what? I, I, I'm good with not hanging out with that guy. Yeah. Or yeah. I'm, I, I don't need to, you know, that's somebody that, but I will say that that is so far and few between doubters would be more of bookers, mm. like bookers and owners. Yeah. You know, I remember one guy and this one felt really good. I remember one guy was like, yeah, I was really young and, and, and he probably might've been right. But like, he saw a clip of me and he's like, wow, that guy's really New York though. Very New York guy. And kind of put me in that box. And then I started touring the entire country and then doing things in Europe. And I wasn't just a New York guy. I was a funny guy. And then that guy like thinks I'm super funny now and likes me. So what's nice is when somebody kind of, oh, that he's like this. Yeah. That's what his, he is. And then all of a sudden after like, oh my God, I'd love to have, you know, you, you, if you ever need anything, you know? So, yeah. but, but I, I always thought that I would be the guy cause I'm Sicilian too. So I always thought that I'd be like, wait till it's my time to put them in <laughs> yeah, there. Right. And, and, and then you don't want to, then you're like, you know, then you're, you don't want, you're just like, Hey man, it's, it almost is better to just like, let them know they were wrong. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> you know, exactly. like, I just, yeah. Like the goal is to just get out of a Maserati and shake their hand. Yeah. And like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? How's everybody? That's great. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm Sicilian too. So I hope our, uh, grandfather, Are you really? yeah, I hope our grandfathers weren't trying to kill each other at some point, but it's, Oh possible. my God. I didn't know you were Sicilian. That's, yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, that's good. Yeah. My father, you know, and I talk about it in the, in the hour, my father is, um, you know, hundred percent Sicilian grew up in the Bronx and, and my mother is, uh, is Greek. And, you know, so I grew up with, 
I grew up with that, like Sicilians are the best, but like with no explanation, yeah. like my, my dad, my dad literally said to me and my brother once, he goes, yeah, you know, it's not quite, it's, it is Italian, but it's a little better because it's Sicilian. Yeah, and I would right. go, well, what do you mean? And he would just go, it's, it's better. Like, like, okay. All right, dad. Like, oh, because you're just, oh, because that's what we are. Yeah. 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 That's you know? great. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you talked about, uh, you know, mental health and, and things like that, which you've been very open about talking on your, uh, about on your, your specials and your, and your podcast. Um, and I wonder also like talking about your family, as you said, like you, you, you're, you're so authentic and you're so real. Has anyone been like, uh, why did you say that on stage? Has, has anyone given you a guff about that? You mean family and friends? Or- yeah. Yeah. No, you know, sometimes they'll just say something like, um, oh, I hope people don't think this way about me, but it's very rare. Like, like people know, like I called my dad up and I was like, hey, I'm talking about you a lot. And is this okay? Yeah. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, you know, cause, cause if you, you know, listen to what I say about my dad, I'm never, it's never making my dad. It's just putting my, my dad is like a sitcom character, Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and, and that's what it is. And, and he knows that. So, and I would never go on stage and put my family or friends in a situation that they, that they, you know, cause this is my choice, not theirs. So I would never do that. You know, nobody's ever said, Oh, I wish you, you know, I wish you said maybe one joke in the, in all the time I've been with my wife and she's been with me from almost day one. She was like, Hey, I kind of wish you don't do that joke. And I'd be like, all right. and, and that happened once. And she was never even that mad about it, but yeah. she would just be like, Hey, that's kind of, and I, and I always do that. Like I don't do things like that with my kids. If my kids know, you know, it's always, I had a joke about my son, and uh, he just goes and they were like, yeah, don't don't say that. Like, OK, you know what? I, I'm not going to say that. So I always look at their feelings. Right. right. Well, that uh, I, I'm not going to ruin it for anyone uh, or just ruin it because I'm telling your joke. But the the story about uh, playing basketball with your son, uh, he's yeah. he's a legend now. So uh, <laughs> I think he'll be psyched about that one. No, that's, he will. He will. Yes, that's yeah. great. Yeah, he uh, he he's coming into his own. And that was kind of the first time that he had challenged me. So I think that people will I think that that people will really, uh, you know, it's um, like that one. But I do like when somebody says, hey, man, what you talked about, mental health really helped me. Yeah. You know what? You, you really you know, you really you know, one guy said I saved his life and I'm like, wow, wow. you know, so to do that. And meanwhile, I'm like me, like I'm, my ranting and yelling did right. that for you. <laughs> uh, like, but when you hear things like that, because people do go through anxiety and depression. And then when they put on a podcast or see comedy, if you, if, if I can be somebody to make you go, oh, wow. Like if that guy has that and, and I'm a fan of him, then if that can help, then great. Oh, that's awesome. That that's amazing. Um, yeah. Well, so I, I definitely encourage people to to check this out. Nocturnal admissions. It's very funny. It's very funny. Uh, Thank you so much, man. That means a lot. Yeah, it was great, uh, and it's so awesome talking to you. And you've also got your podcast, The Verzi Effect, and uh, Anything Better, which you co-host with Bill Burr. You've yep. got a lot going on. What what else? What else should people be looking for? Um, yeah, well, you're going to, guys going to see me doing some acting too, man. I have, uh, I have some acting. I got a couple of small parts and some, uh, major uh, movies that are going to be coming out. So a- acting is something that like, you know, I mean, comedy is always first, but you might see me in, in, in some stuff. Wow. And, um, the yeah. Si- so the Sicilian Iron Man, is that true? Is that what you, <laughs> oh my God, I wish, I wish. And that's the other, you know, that's the other thing. And there's no, 
who knows? You know, you laugh, but there, we need more Italians doing stuff. Dude. Yeah. You know, I was I was telling this on stage the other night. No Italians in Harry Potter. No Italian wizards. OK, <laughs> there's no Italians in Star Wars. There's no real Italian superheroes. Who knows? Maybe, hopefully, God willing, you know, people see the special and I'm the new I'm something. Yeah. Can- yeah. The Italian Yoda. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the Italian Yoda. That's awesome. great. Well, Paul, really, really great talking to you. Uh, So happy for your success. And again, I can't say it enough. Check out his special. It's hilarious. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me, man. All right. Good stuff. That's our episode, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. Get a Real Job comes out every Tuesday. So be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you harvest your favorite podcasts. Leave us a review. Give us a share. Don't make me beg people. Go to entrepreneur.com for new episodes of this and to listen to our other great podcasts. Thanks.